Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. Good to see some new faces. My name's Peter. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, today is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and today we celebrate and remember the resurrection of Jesus uh, from the dead. And as you've seen in that video, uh, there's, there's a few details in there uh, that raise questions for us. And we're going to look at those in a moment. But this day for Christians is one of the most important days uh, in the year. Uh, And before we get into that, uh, I just want to ask God to help me uh, to speak uh, about this, uh, to speak with integrity and truth about one of the most important things uh, that I believe we find in the Bible and I suggest in all of history. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to talk to God uh, before we do that. Dear God, thank you. Uh, for this day. Thank you that even if it rains and pours outside, it is still a new day where we remember what you have done for us in Jesus. And we remember that he has risen from the dead and help us, uh, help me, to understand what that means for us in this day and age. So we ask for your help uh, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus, a man rising from the dead. Uh, To the Christian, it's the most important moment in history. Uh, To others, though, it may be one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard. A dead man rising back to life. It's the stuff of fiction and fantasy. Uh, Maybe it conjures up in your mind images of zombies about to take over the world. Maybe even Christians are a bunch of zombies, uh, infected by some weird ideas and beliefs in a dead man uh, rising from the dead. Who in their right mind would believe such a crazy idea? Yet people, humanity, is fascinated with death. Do do you notice that? But even more, humanity is fascinated with attempting to conquer death. Every culture and society since the beginning of time has stories about death and myths and legends about how to conquer death. Maybe you've heard of the elixir of life, the fountain of youth, or even the holy grail. As people, we're fascinated with death and life. So what makes the Christian resurrection of Jesus any different? What makes it different? Why do Christians make such a big deal about the resurrection? Now, whatever you think about the resurrection, I'm not going to try and convince you that the resurrection is true. But I do want you to walk away with a sense of why it is important for Christians. What makes the resurrection such a big deal for Christians? Now, to understand this, we need to go back and set the stage a little bit. Why is the resurrection needed in the first place? And really, the Christian message, and this isn't just for those of you who are hearing this for the first time, but for Christians as well, well, this Christian message makes no sense unless we go back to the beginning. So let's do that. We go back to the beginning, what do we see? We see a loving God who creates everything. The universe, the world that we live in, and everything that we see, everything we touch, everything we breathe and connect with in this world. 
We have a loving God who creates all these things. And when he sees everything he's, he's made, he says, it is good. And then into this world he puts people. He creates people in his own likeness, in his own image. He creates them and puts them in this world and this creation suddenly becomes very good. Now, in God's goodness, God keeps one tree, the fruit of one tree, out of bounds. In all of his creation, he keeps one tree out of bounds, out of his goodness for people in his good creation. And the consequence of eating from this tree, eating from this fruit, a rejection of God's goodness is death. Failing to trust in God's goodness, people deal with death. And as Christians, we call this sin. And if you've heard this word thrown about, you you probably hear it thrown about in the context of moral failure or moral issues. But that's only part of the picture. Because see, what happens with sin, what happens is death enters into this world, into this good creation that God, this loving God has made. Death enters into it and it corrupts everything. This sin, this is, is a cancer that lies at the heart of everything that is broken in our world. It lies at the heart of our physical and mental brokenness, our, even the environment, our broken society and even our everyday relationships. And I, I'm optimistic at the best of times. But it's hard not to walk out into the world and see that there is something very wrong. And so because of this, for this reason, God sets into motion this plan to redeem his good creation, to redeem his world from this plague, this cancer of sin. And as I said, the consequence of failing to trust God's goodness is death. And this actually introduces a problem for God because you would think that God is all-powerful. Just click your fingers and you make everything good again. But see, God is also what we call righteous. And that, that basically means that he's morally right and he's upright and he upholds justice. So he can't just click his fingers and make everything right because then he would no longer be righteous. So in order to fulfill his own righteousness, his own requirement, his own justice, death is needed. Just as we have our own laws in society, there are penalties for breaking them. And the penalty for breaking God's law is death. I hope you're all following at this point. So what does God do? How does God redeem his good world while upholding righteousness and justice? Long story short, and it is a long story short, he sends Jesus. In order to fulfill both his justice but also his desire to redeem the world, he sends Jesus. Two days ago, we celebrated Good Friday and we remember uh, Jesus' death, his crucifixion, uh, almost 2,000 years ago. And it is this death of Jesus on the cross that satisfies God's righteousness and his justice. In his death, God's justice and righteousness is satisfied. Jesus takes our death upon himself. But that's not enough. That's not the end of the story. Because God's created this good world. It's been broken and death has entered. And he's redeemed it. 
by the death of his own son, Jesus. But there's something else that God wants to do. He wants to restore. He wants to restore this broken world that is plagued with this cancer, with this sin. And as you look around, we're still dealing with it. People still feel the effects of physical health being broken. Mental illness is on the rise. Prince Charles is building a dedicated uh, mental health facility for adolescents at the moment. Relationships are still increasingly volatile. Human dignity and worth continue to degrade. And yes, you look around the world and people are doing amazing things. We're making amazing progress in the sciences and we're making amazing progress in all sorts of areas. But there is still so much brokenness in our world. And this is exactly why it's not enough that Jesus dies. Because God is wanting to redeem but also restore his world that he's made. He wants it to be good as he first made it. And so Jesus' death without the resurrection is like a cardiac surgeon who dies from a heart attack while performing heart surgery. Did you get that? The irony of that. It would be ridiculous. A surgeon's right there doing a heart operation and then he dies from a heart attack. That's what Jesus' death is like without the resurrection. Jesus deals with the problem of sin through his own death by succumbing to death, the cause of sin. What possible good could he offer you? What possible hope could he offer you if a cardiac surgeon is there operating and he dies from a heart attack, the person on the table is likely to die as well. There's no hope if the one operating dies. Jesus' death deals with the problem of sin. But that's not enough. And this is what the Bible says. Let me read this to you. Chucky. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ, that's Jesus, has been And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those of us Uh, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. Let Let me just break that down a little bit. If Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, then one, I am wasting my time. Every preacher, every church is wasting their time talking about Jesus every week. Two, Christians are a bunch of hacks who have been telling lies for the last 2,000 years. The problem of sin, this brokenness that we see around us still exists. Four, the Christian faith is useless. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, the Christian faith is useless, it's futile, and everyone from the beginning who has put their hope and trust in Jesus 
is lost. And lastly, and I think this takes the cake, out of all the people in the world, through all of time and space, Christians are the ones who should be pitied most because they believe this lie. If Christ rising from the dead is a lie, Christians should be pitied above all else because they're just wasting their time. The resurrection of Jesus is the linchpin of the Christian faith. And if the resurrection isn't real, the whole thing is a sham. And, you know, people talk about Jesus being a good teacher, a good moral example, a model of human goodness and virtue. Why would you waste your time? Why would you bother? Let, let, me, be, let me be frank and honest for a moment. Because, you know, most people believe in the theory of evolution. And if I go along with that, I go along with the idea of natural selection, survival of the fittest. Now, here's my logical progression. If that's the case, why the heck would I care about the poor? Why would I care about the sick, the asylum seeker, abortion, euthanasia? Who I kicked over to get the next promotion? How many women I got pregnant? My my marriage, my kids... Why would I care about any of that stuff but myself? Why? I've got no reason except to survive, to be the best. Why else would I care about someone else? And if it wasn't for me, why waste my time? My idea of a good time is driving down the street as fast as I can without a care in the world. I'm just being honest. I don't do that. I'm tempted. I don't do that. But hearing all of that, you're probably thinking, dude, you're crazy. You're even a jerk. And that's exactly the point. There is something very wrong with this selfishness that I have. And that's precisely why Jesus not only needs to die, but to rise from the dead. See, Jesus comes to die to deal with this problem of sin. My sin, your sin, the sins of the world. And he redeems us from this sin, this cancer, this brokenness and corruption from our physical, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual, and even our environmental brokenness that we see around us. He redeems us from all of that. But he doesn't just want to redeem us from it. He wants to completely restore God's creation. And that's why resurrection matters. Because going back to the cardiac surgeon, Jesus' resurrection is like the cardiac surgeon who not only totally annihilates the problem of heart, sickness and illness from the face of the earth, he's able to create a new heart, a new and improved heart for his patients. That's what Jesus' resurrection does. It not only eradicates this problem of sin, but there is new life, a new body, a new hope, a new future, a new world that is promised in his resurrection. And this is what the Bible says. Uh, Towards the end, it looks forward to the end and to the future, and this is what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And listen to this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is the most amazing part, I think, in all of the Bible, or one of them anyway. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. And so while the plague of sin, this cancer, continues in this earthly lifetime, there is a countdown timer on how long sin will continue to ravage the human experience. A day is coming where the resurrected Jesus will come to fulfill this promise of his resurrection and open his doors to a new heaven and a new earth. The significance of Jesus' resurrection is not only the ability to redeem people from sin, but to completely restore them to a new life, a new body, and a new home. And how do we get access to this? How do we get access to what Jesus offers? Let me say this, what Jesus offers is free. There's no catch. You, you, you put your trust, your hope in what Jesus has done, and this offer is free. Like any free giveaway you might see at the shopping centre or out on the street, just because it's free doesn't mean it's in your hand. You need to take it. Jesus offers this new life to each one of us, to this world. But it's not going to do any good if people don't take it, if you don't take it and receive it. Now, if you want to find out more what that looks like, uh, come talk to me, talk to uh, friends, Uh, who uh, brought you here. Um, But that's what Jesus offers. Jesus offers this new life, this new hope, this new world filled with new possibilities and dreams. And again, it sounds like the stuff of fiction. It sounds like the stuff of fantasy. Now maybe you're listening to all of this and you're like, yeah, that's great. That's the future. What's the point of the resurrection now? What's the point of the resurrection now? I'm living in this place, this brokenness, this hole. What's the point of the resurrection now? What good is it that Jesus died and rose from the dead when I'm still going through all this stuff? When my friend is struggling and on the cliff edge of depression. When people are dying on their deathbed because of some cancer that they discovered. What does the resurrection mean now? What good is a future hope if we still suffer now? How does the resurrection make any difference? I want to point out a few things. This isn't exhaustive. There's lots that this covers, but I want to point out a few things. The resurrection of Jesus gives you a totally different perspective on life. The promise of the resurrection is a new life. And that promise of a new life means that you're no longer bound by the rules of this world. 
That doesn't mean that you go out and speed and break all the rules out there. That's not what I'm saying. But it means that you get to live your life differently to the way everyone else does. Because once you know that there is a new life for you, when there is a guaranteed life, a new hope, a new world waiting for you, you're not worried anymore about the money, the fame, the recognition, the status, the experiences, the appearances before people, power, or anything else that the world pursues. Because those things will pass. Those things will go. And the Bible puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. It's here. It's not waiting. It's here. And so we get to a taste of what this new life is now. Because we're no longer bound by this rat race that the world is in. We're free from it. And so it means that you don't have to compete for the world's attention, its recognition, money, power, none of these things. It changes the way that we work. It changes the way that we study. It changes our relationships. It changes our families. It changes everything. It changes the way we live. Because our identity is no longer tied up in what the world says. But in this new identity that is found in Jesus. Now Jesus' resurrection gives you a new purpose in life. Because Jesus redeems us through his death and resurrection, we live for him. Now it's a free gift. But this guy's just given you a whole new life. One of the things we do in response is that we live for him. Now in living for him, we live for others. Because God isn't interested in only redeeming you. He's not interested just in you. He's interested in this whole world. He's interested in redeeming this whole world. And I'm going to continue from the Bible. It says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now this is one of the reasons Christians talk about Jesus so much. Because we want to be part of what God is doing. And that is to reconcile the world to himself. He wants to restore his good creation. He wants to restore the loving relationship that he has with them. He wants to restore and redeem this brokenness. And and that's why we make such a big deal about it. And how do we do that? Well, we do that in a lot of different ways. But fundamentally, we do that by trying to live like Jesus. Trying to show them what this life without sin, without this brokenness might look like, even as we live in it. Christians try and do good in the world, not because we're trying to achieve something, but because in Jesus, we want to see what he's going to do. We want to see him restore, not just redeem, but restore everything to the way that it should be, to, to, to be good. Now, admittedly, we don't always get it right. And I, I'll be the first one to admit that history shows us the many times that Christians have really screwed this up. I'm sorry. But I hope that 
those of us here would at least learn from those mistakes. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is about restoring and redeeming this world. And all of this stuff, the resurrection of Jesus, this hope of a new life, is what motivates so many Christians to work in the medical provision, uh, profession, in the health profession, and motivates others to bring justice into this world through social welfare efforts, human rights efforts, serving in the legal and political system, and even international aid. Closer to home, it motivates us to be better friends, to be better families to those around us, so that they might get a glimpse of what life in Jesus looks like. And the list goes on. That's just the, that's just the sample. The list goes on. We live for Jesus by living to, for the world, we live for the world that he came to save. Now, on a more personal note, the resurrection of Jesus provides us with a point of help in our time of need. When we see the life, death and resurrection of Jesus all together, what we see is a man who suffered the effects of sin to the point of death. He walks this earth, he lives the human experience to the point of death. He knows what that is like, but he conquers them in his resurrection. He destroys them. He absolutely obliterates them in the resurrection. And so in the resurrection, we see a picture of God, not a God who is far away, who is unconcerned with this world, who is malevolent and just... What we see is a God who wants to connect with the hardships of life. In the resurrection of Jesus, we see someone who has walked the human life, the human experience, even the experience of death. And we see someone who is willing to overcome it. And then he invites you, invites us into this relationship where we can experience that as well. And so he walks with us through our pain through our suffering, through our hardship, through the brokenness. But he says, I died, but I have risen from the dead and I've conquered it. I've conquered death. And so our present hope, the the hope that we have for today is not just that we have a future, but that we have someone who has walked this earth, who has experienced its pain and suffering, and who wants to walk with us through it. The Bible talks about Jesus like a high priest. Don't get distracted by that. But this is what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have someone who is willing to walk with us. He doesn't just take this life and experience and disappear and say, good luck, I've done it, you can do it too. No, he doesn't do that. No, he walks with us through the pain and the suffering and says, yeah, I've been there. Let me walk, you, let me walk with you. Now, friends, I've said a lot of things this morning. And it's a lot to take in. I don't expect that. You're going to take all of that in. But at the same time, I've only just scratched the surface. 
have only just scratched the surface of what Jesus, his life, his death and his resurrection means for us. There's so much more. But in Jesus' death and resurrection, we see God's plan to redeem and to restore people back into relationship with him. And that's really what the Christian message is about. When you take everything away, when you take all the extra stuff away, this is what it's about. It's about a God who created this good world that was broken because people rejected his goodness. But still, he loves them and seeks to redeem them and restore them into relationship with him. And so the invitation is there whether you might give Jesus a chance. I don't know whether I've made a case for the resurrection or not. But I hope you understand why it's important and why it's significant to Christians. And maybe you've got questions about something you've heard and something I've said. Or even something you've heard in the song. Come, come and talk to me. Come and find me. Come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Uh, talk to the people around. Uh, because this stuff's important. Maybe you've got some other questions about it, something I haven't touched on. Uh, but you've got questions about God nonetheless. Um, we want to uh, offer um, a course, an informal course called Life Explored uh, to find out more about this gift that God offers. Uh, and so uh, our welcome team, uh, anyone who's got a name badge really, um, not everyone, some of them are helping with other things, but anyone with a name tag can point you in the right direction. Um, find our welcome team. They can uh, grab your details and we can let you know when we're going to do that. Um, but if you have questions, and it doesn't matter what questions they are, let me encourage you. Ask. The worst thing to do in life is to go through another week and not ask the questions that are burning in your heart. Don't leave them for another day. Because there is a new life. There is a new hope. There's a whole new world that is waiting to be found in Jesus. I'm going to pray uh, just to close this time uh, and then we're going to finish off. Jesus, today we remember that you not only died for us but that you rose from the dead and you have conquered death. You have conquered sin. And for my friends here today, I pray that they would understand how significant that is. And I pray that if they have questions, that you would give them the courage to ask them. And help all of us to continue to see the brokenness in our world, to put our hands out and make a difference. But above all else, to discover new life, not only for ourselves, but for the world that we live in. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you died for us. But not that you just died, but that you rose again to show us that there is a new life that is waiting to be found. So thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.